Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Hey, we're one week away from DCC's 14-year anniversary. 14 years that we're going to celebrate next Sunday. So I want you here. I want you here. I want you here ready to celebrate. I want you to walk into this room next week just with this, this spirit of thanksgiving of what God has done in our church. Just let it flow out of you next week when we get here. And, and to lead us into our anniversary celebration, last week we began a new series called Learn, Live, Look. Learn, Live, Look. We are learning from the past, living in the now, and looking to the future. That's what this series is about. And last week we looked at at two enemies from our past that we need to be aware of. The first one is your, your past failures. We need to be aware of our past failures, and the second one is our, our past successes. Because those two things can hinder your present and they can dictate your future. You know, your successes can be as devastating to what God wants to do in your life as your past failures. You understand that, right? And, and like Elisha, like the young man Elisha, we must leave the past behind in order to walk into God's divine destiny for our lives. We've got to learn from the past, but we can't lean on the past. And today we're going to transition to our now. Because it's hard to live in the now. It's hard to live in the now. It's hard to live in this moment. A consistent complaint of, of many parents is that their children are constantly on their smartphones. It's a complaint of many, many parents, and ABC News reported that on average, teenagers spend seven hours and 22 minutes a day on their phones, seven hours and 22 minutes on average, and, and the tweens, as ages 8 to 12, they spend on average four hours and 44 minutes a day, ages 8 to 12, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, no, eight-year-olds should have a phone. Well, many of them don't, but they have your phone <laughs> in their hands, playing games, watching videos, and... And 8 to 12 years old, they spend on average 4 hours and 44 minutes a day on a phone. The world is literally passing them by, and they don't even know it. Here's a parenting tip. Limit, your phone, limit their phone time. Limit your phone time, too, but, but limit their phone time. Now, all of the students in the room, they, they hate me, and they want to find a new church, so have that conversation on the way home. But parents, listen to me. Limit their phone time. Here's a perfect example for you. When, when Kendall and Caleb were in their early teens, um, we got them phones, and, and, and every time that we went somewhere in the car, they were, they were on their phones. Every time we were traveling in, anywhere. I mean, if we were driving you know, from, from Newberry to Gainesville, they were on their phones. If we were driving down the interstate, they were on their phones. And they were listening to music. They were playing games. They were looking at social media. Um, when they reach the appropriate age for social media. Mom and dad, there is an appropriate age for social media. Some of you need to get control of that, but that's a different day. But what they were doing is that they were watching a phone and they were not watching how to get to and fro. They weren't figuring out, I turn here to go to the mall or I turn here to go to Best Buy. Or They had no idea. So when they turned 16... And it was time for them to drive on their own. Caleb and Kendall had no idea how to get anywhere. No idea. And it might be the age group that, that they are now. Maybe they, they, they solely rely on that device for you know, uh, directions on, on how to get to the places that they need to. But, but they have been to some of those places hundreds of times. And if they just would have looked up and not been in their phones, they would have known how to get there. Because we had been there consistently 
missing out on living in the now. Living in the now is important. Be easy on them parents because they get it honestly. It's a different story. Hey, it's hard to live in the now, right? It's hard to live in the now. I can look back over my life and and I can see how the hand of God has blessed me in the past. It's easy for me to see where I've come from and how God has blessed me. I I can look ahead and, and, and by faith I can believe that he is going to bless me again in the future. Sometimes it feels like that future is way out there, but I believe in the future God is going to bless me. But when life is tough in the now, when we're in that moment when life is tough, it's hard to see God. Sometimes when we're living in the now, when when there's not enough money to pay the mortgage payment, when the kids' birthdays are rolling around and and you want to do something special for them, but the money is just too tight. And so you can't, you can't afford to. When as soon as, as one family member gets over being sick, the next one gets sick, and then the next one gets sick, and before you know it, it goes through the whole household, and it's hard to see God in the middle of all that. When you prayed for healing, but you haven't received that healing yet, because in the now, you're still sick. In the now, you still have cancer. In the now, you still have heart disease. And it's hard to see God in the middle of all that. And and when your Cinderella turns out to be more of an evil stepmother, it's hard hard to see God in that moment. When the, the man of your dreams is actually the villain of your nightmares, it's hard to see God in that moment. Sometimes it's just hard to see God in the now. Because we worry about the things that are yet to come, and so our attention is on that. We're so focused on that, or we're concerned about the things that have already happened and how they're affecting our now, that we get so caught up in all that that we can't even enjoy life where we're at, where we're standing in this moment right now. And sometimes we become so anxious for a new day that we start wishing that the current day would go away, because we would rather be there than here, because here stinks. This is a bad place to be sometimes, in the now, in this moment. Jesus said these words in Matthew 6 and 27, and I've been teaching on the Sermon on the Mount on Wednesday nights online, but but he said this in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? That's what Jesus said. Can any one of you by worrying, can you add a single hour to your life? And, And the correct answer is no. No, you can't. You cannot add one second, much less an hour, You can't duplicate time. You can't manufacture time. And so you can't add anything to it. Why worry about it? Easier said than done, right? You know, COVID-19 has has us all ready to say goodbye to 2020, doesn't it? We're just so, we're over it, right? Say I'm over it. No, say it like you mean it. Say I'm over it. I mean, like, you're staring coronavirus in the face right now, and, and you have a chance to say, I'm over you. Just, just, just say it right now. Say, I'm over you. I'm over you, 2020, because I know that for me personally, 2020 feels like it was written by Stephen King, directed by Quentin Tarantino, and the soundtrack performed by Marilyn Manson. That's what it feels like to me. 2020 is just weird. It's strange on so many levels, not just COVID. Of course, COVID, you know, is is the icing on the cake for the whole thing. But church, listen to me. If he was God in 2019, and if he's going to be God in 2021, then I know and I have to believe that he is still God in 2020. 
that he has not taken a vacation from his throne. God is still God in 2020, amen? He is God of the right now. He is God of this moment right now. In Revelation 1 and 8, he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He, he went on to say, he who is and was and is to come. He who is and was and is to come. And I love how he worded that to assure us that he has everything covered. He states the now first. He who is in this moment, right now, here I am. You don't have to worry about it. I got you covered in the now. When he spoke to Moses through a burning bush, he didn't call himself by what he had done. He didn't call himself by what he was going to do. He called himself I am. In this moment, here I am. Not I was, not I will be, but I am. And we cannot rush through this moment without his work being complete in us. I'm going to say something that, that many of you don't want to hear. We don't need to rush through 2020. We just lost all of our viewers online. They all, they all just clicked off. We don't need to rush through 2020. Sure, I, I want to see some things come to an end myself. I, I'm sick of, of certain things. But sometimes we get so worried about what life is going to look like and what, what life should be that we miss out on what God is doing right here in this moment in the now. 2020 called us off guard. We never saw it coming, but, but God saw 2020 approaching with 2020 vision. It did not catch God off, off guard, and it certainly did not hinder his plan. For us corporately as a church, DCC, listen to me. As we celebrate 14 years next week, none of this has hindered God's plan for our church. And it has not hindered God's plan for you either. I'm victorious because he was victorious. I'm a champion because he was a champion. I'm going to read today out of 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, we're going to continue studying the life of Elisha in this series. I want to read the first 14 verses of chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. This is a number of years later. Many scholars tend to think this is about eight years later from, from where we left off last Sunday where Elisha was, was called to follow the man of God, called to follow the prophet Elijah. So we're looking at, at approximately eight to ten years later. And we pick it up at verse one. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. In other words, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Verse 4. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, 
Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, yes, I know it. Keep quiet. In other words, I'm very aware of this. Would you just shut up about it? You see, let's pause just for a moment here because Elijah is testing Elisha. It's not that he doesn't want him to go forward with him. It's not that he doesn't want him to, to continue on this journey with him. It's not that he's necessarily trying to talk him out of it. He is testing him because this very real and transferable anointing of God hung in the balance. I don't have time to get into that today, but let me tell you something. The anointing of God is very transferable for a willing vessel that is willing to go the distance, that is willing to put forth the effort and the work to become a godly woman or a godly man. There is a transference of, of anointing that can happen on a person's life. Elijah didn't really want Elisha not to follow him. He needed to see if Elisha could be trusted with that anointing. Elisha, that young man, had not performed a miracle yet. He had witnessed miracles at the hands of Elijah, God working through him. But he himself, he had not performed a miracle yet. He had not been used in that way by God. And I think in this moment, there's a very important lesson for us, church, that we cannot negate. We cannot move past this. When you can't feel God for yourself, you better find yourself next to a person who can feel God. When you are at a place in life, in your now, in that moment, that you can't feel the presence of God in your life, you better find somebody, somebody to get close to that can feel the presence of God because you need them more than you realize. And Elisha refused to leave Elijah's side. Times were uncertain. The future was uncertain. And when the now that you are living in it seems uncertain and you can't feel God for yourself, stay close to someone who can feel God. Verse 6 says, then Elijah said to him, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. And they, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, please, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. He, he's, he's telling him, you better stay close to me. You better stay close to this anointing. Because if you're not in the right proximity when I'm gone, you will never receive this. Verse 11 says, And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father. He, he's not crying out to God in this. It, he's crying out to Elijah. That's how much this man meant to him. This is a mentor in his life. This is a father figure in his life. And he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water saying, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Very honest question right there. 
Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. Elisha had every right to be concerned. Living in that moment, living in that now, no one can fault him for having concerns. I mean, think about this. He did burn his plows eight years earlier. He cooked all of his oxen and gave all of that meat away. He destroyed everything from a former life so that he could follow God's plan for his life. So there's nothing to go back to. He started following the prophet Elijah in his early 20s is what it's estimated. And so now he, he's somewhere around the age of 30-ish, right in there. And he knows he's about to lose his mentor. The person that is the closest to, the, to him, this is, this is his Mr. Miyagi, okay? This, this seems fitting for right now during these times, right? This is his Mr. Miyagi. But everywhere that he goes, people keep talking about his mentor is about to die. I don't know what it was about Elijah. He must have looked rough. Because every village they walk into, everybody keeps saying the same thing. You know you're about to lose your mentor, right? He's about to die. Things are not looking good for you, Elisha. They go to Bethel and people gather around him and say, you know that he's about to, 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 to die, right? You know, he's not going to be with you. They go to Jericho and they repeat the same thing. And he's just like, I don't want to hear it. Let's not talk about that. They travel to the Jordan. And he knows that this is inevitable. It's going to happen. Now, if you know this story, you know he doesn't actually die. We just read it where chariots from heaven, they swoop down, they pick him up, and he ascends to heaven. He doesn't have to face death. That's a story for a whole other day. But don't miss the fact that they crossed over the Jordan. There's a reason why the old saints refer to dying as crossing over Jordan. Have you ever heard that before? If you've been around church for any amount of time, that's what the old saints, they always talk about that, you know, crossing over Jordan. At many funerals, you'll, you'll hear songs about crossing over Jordan. And, and there's a reason why. It's a biblical reference to the Israelites crossing the Jordan into their inherited promised land, which is, uh, uh, metaphorically speaking for us, it's us crossing over from life to eternal life, into our promised land. And so that's what they're referring to. But, but what we have to realize as we dig deep into the scriptures, we have to understand that every time someone crossed the Jordan River, it represented the end of one season and the beginning of the next season. We have to look at scripture and we have to interpret it that way that every time somebody crosses the Jordan, they are leaving one season behind and they are heading into the next season. When Joshua led Israel across the Jordan into the promised land, they left a season of homelessness and they moved into a season of habitation. 
We, we know that when King David, running for his life from Absalom, his own son, when he crossed over the Jordan, as Absalom and his men are out to kill him, he went from a state of vulnerability to a state of victory. He didn't know it at the moment because he was mourning his son, but if that wouldn't have happened, if he hadn't have crossed over Jordan, he was so vulnerable that he would have died. And when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin John, it represented the end of a season of preparation, and now he was entering into a season of proclamation. Every time you cross over the Jordan, it represents leaving one season behind and walking into the next season. And so when Elisha crossed the Jordan with Elijah, there's a new season that is, a, is very quickly approaching. Elisha, get ready because you're about to leave this behind and you are about to walk into this. But in order to get from there to there, you have to experience the now. And this is the part that none of us want to experience. None of us want to be in the now. We either want to go back to the past or we want to get out of there and get to the future as fast as we can. We either want the good old days or what is to come. And none of us want to get stuck here. None of us want to be right here in this moment. But church, you must understand that it's in this moment, it's in this now, it's in, it's in this state right here that tomorrow comes. I don't even know if I can articulate this the way it needs to be articulated, the way that it needs to be said. But nobody just takes a running leap from the past right into the future. You live this. We don't have time machines. You understand that, right? If we could get our hands on a time machine, all of us would have already jumped out of 2020, wouldn't we? We can't jump from there to there. It's a now that we have to walk through. And somewhere in the middle of this now, the miracle takes place and suddenly you find yourself in God's preferred future for you. In this divine destiny. But in order to get to that, you've got to experience this. And sometimes I wonder if we're just looking so far past this that we're missing out on what God is doing in us and through us in this moment right here in the now. And then it happens. It wasn't quite how Elisha pictured it would, ha it would happen. But it happened. Because Elijah was there and now he's gone. I mean, not even an opportunity to get a proper goodbye. He was there one minute. And the next minute, he's just ripped out of his life. There's no closure. Elijah just went to heaven. And there's no time to prepare in the now for what he just experienced. No way to get that closure. No way He just sticks. He just finds himself in this moment of, of grief and mourning. Church, listen to me. Times get tough. Things change. Times change. People change.
hard, isn't it? It's hard when people change. Some people who started the journey with you may not be on the next leg of the journey with you. I had a mentor of mine that told me during our first year at DCC, he told me, he said the people, the majority of the people that are with you for the first two years will not be with you after that. I looked at him and said, you're crazy. You don't know my people. That's part of the problem. They're not my people. How misled was I? Second year rolled around and I realized exactly what he was talking about. Not everybody is meant to go on the journey with you. Because not everybody can see what God sees in you. Not everybody's meant to carry that load. Not everybody is meant to, to travel that path. It doesn't always mean they're bad people. It just means that sometimes God just doesn't have them as part of your story. At least not that part. I've realized something recently about my inner emotions. I've been in a season of grief. I'm not even referring to my father's death. But as a pastor, I've realized that I've never taken the proper time to grieve over some significant deaths in our church. When DCC lost Leela Austin in 2017, we lost a spiritual mother here at our church. Two years later, when we lost her husband, Lloyd Austin, we lost a spiritual father in our church. And there have been other deaths in our church that are meaningful, people that we loved, people we cared for. But let me tell you something about these two people. They invested in us so very much. And if you feel like you were never directly affected by Lloyd and Leela Austin, you're wrong. Even if you're here today and, and you're fairly new to DCC and you never met them and you think that your life was never directly affected by them, let me tell you, you are absolutely wrong because what they did for me is still affecting you. When you walked through the front doors of this building today and you, you walked over that threshold into this building, their Bibles, very intentionally, their Bibles are in the concrete slab that you walked over over that door very intentionally. What they did for me is affecting you today. They were physical support through their attendance. They were at everything, every time the doors were open when they were in good health. They were emotional support through their encouragement. I have letters, cards, and emails that Leela would send to me for no reason but just to encourage me. They were spiritual support for me through their prayers. I remember one time as retired ministers, they were sitting next to me at a, at a state minister's meeting. And there at that meeting, we heard someone who is, is well known to me. Some of you will not know his name, but 
Dr. Mark Rutland, former president of Southeastern University, former president of Oral Roberts University at one time when, when he went there and bailed them out. He was speaking, and, and at the end, he, he offered a program that is graduate course classes that you can attend with him. And I was sitting there listening to Dr. Rutland speak, and Lloyd and Leela were sitting next to me. And just under my breath, I must have made a sound like, oh, man, I'd love to do that. Leela heard me. And she leaned over. She said, you should do that. And at the time, there was no possible way I could afford it. She said, you should do it. And I said, Miss Leela, I can't right now. Maybe one day I'll be able to. I've, I've always wanted to do it, but today even more. They traveled home. We traveled home separately after that event was over. At our next council meeting, Lloyd approached the council. I know that he was pushed by Ms. Leela. And he told the council how much I needed to do this. That the leadership classes that were being offered would be an advantage to our church, and this is something that our pastor wants to do. And he told the council, he says, we need to make this investment into him. And the council voted unanimously to put me and Mandy into those courses. And it's paid off for this church. You don't even know it, but it's paid off for this church. There's things that I learned in those classes and, and being able to be that close to Dr. Rutland and to, to glean from him, it, it was just an amazing experience. And so you may not have even known them. But they invested in you because they invested in me. I miss them. I think about Lloyd and Lee Austin, and I, I think about how much they would have loved to have seen this facility. They dreamed with me. They dreamed with us. When they passed away, they deserved to have their funerals here on something that they believed in so much, but the building was not complete. We had to borrow a church in Trenton for both of their funerals. Ministry was just easier with them around. It was just easier. And we've gone through some trials recently, and what I wouldn't do to hear them say one more time, Pastor, I've got your back. His servants may die. Things may be different. But our God is still the same. Isaiah 40 and verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Malachi 3 and 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ 
is the same yesterday and today and forever. James 1 and 17, 1 and 17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Uh, let me explain that to you because it's so important that we understand it. I change. I am inconsistent. I change. I was 170 pounds when Mandy and I got married. I change. How many of you have changed since you said I do? If you're so young and, and young in your marriage that you haven't changed yet, just wait. 10 pounds a year for the first five years, okay? It happens. I change. And when the light hits me and you see my shadow, it's not the same shadow it was 25 years ago when Mandy married me. It's a little different. It's a lot of different. <laughs> but not God. His shadow doesn't change. And scripture tells us it's because there's no shifting of lights. You have to understand how your God is made. He is the light. He was the light. And he will be the light. So there's no shifting shadows with him. God is who he is. He is who he was. And he is who he's going to be. And so no matter what our now looks like right here in this moment, this season might look different than you had hoped, than how you had planned. But don't despise what God is doing in you right now because he is still the same God. He is still the same God and he will be the same God. And no matter what, no matter what you are going through right now, no matter what your now looks like, understand that your God is right there with you, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He, he is right there with you in that moment. He is walking with you through that fire. He is going with you through that flood. Whatever it is your now looks like, trust that your God is still alive. He is still a well. He is still well. And no matter what 2020 throws at us, you know, I've, I've thought back a, a lot to some of the, I'm so glad we didn't do this. Trust me, the temptation was there. But all these pastors that preached on 2020 vision at the beginning of the year, how's that working out for you? <laughs> it doesn't matter what this year looks like, what this now looks like. I serve a God who is still a champion. And things may look different for us. Even corporately, things may look different. But our God is still alive and well, ruling and reigning from his throne. He has not forgotten us. He is, he's not asleep. Scripture says he, he doesn't sleep nor slumber. He is not asleep. But he's here. There's more to this story about Elisha. But it's interesting to me that he picks up the cloak. The very cloak, by the way, that, that we talked about last week, that Elijah laid on him to, to call him into ministry, to call him to follow him. That same cloak that as he descended into heaven, that cloak fell down to the ground. Elisha picks it up, uncertain. He, he has not heard the voice of God. And he rolls it up and he walks over to the Jordan River. And he says, where is God? In the middle of all this, in this, in this hurt, my mentor is gone. Where is God? And it had to be a moment of frustration. But he takes that cloak and he 
strikes the Jordan River just like he saw his mentor do. And all of a sudden, the waters start rolling back. And standing on the other side of the river is a group of young prophets that need a leader. And they watch the whole thing unfold. To be continued. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.